The synopsis of this week's episode. Yeah. Nurse Chapel is reunited with her former fiancé on XO3, but the scientist has plans for Captain Kirk and the Federation. Right, so Chapel, that side wig, isn't it, from um, <laughs> what episode? <laughs> the Naked Time. Oh, yes. Yes. So I'm wondering why they're former fiancés. Maybe Sidewig chose her career over him uh, mm-hmm. to join Starfleet and he's bitter and jealous about that towards mm-hmm. Kirk. I imagine their reunion's going to involve him saying, Christine, what have they done to you? As he turns her wig the right way around. <laughs> 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 so then he's going to concoct, I'm just trying to make sense of this creepy title sure. here. Yeah, Some sugary, spicy, all things nicey drink, which turns all the male crew into girls. <laughs> oh, I'd love to see Shatner's girl acting. <laughs> He'd take it really seriously, wouldn't he? But we wouldn't have to worry about a subtlety. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> Am I close? Um, it's been a while since I've seen this episode, and I don't think there's any drinks involved in this particular story. But maybe, maybe I'm wrong. It's maybe been a while. another way to turn him into a girl? <laughs> Just maybe. <laughs> you never know. <laughs> Watches Star Trek. All sections. Security check in progress. Lower phaser. We're entering standard orbit, nurse. Won't be much longer. Orbit scanner to bridge. I understand you gave up a career in bio research. To sign aboard a starship. I know he's alive down there, Captain. Ask Canada Bridge, status report dreams. Engineering controls. It's been five years since his last message. Roger's a very determined man. He'd find a way to live. That is the intro to the Star Trek episode, What Are Little Girls Made Of? And I am married to a person called Rachel, and this show is called Rachel Watches Star Trek. <laughs> I was thought you were going to say, and I'm married to a little girl, and I know what she's made of. <laughs> so uh, this week, uh, we've got an episode that I, I, I didn't really remember, but I was pleasantly surprised by. Hmm. So the Enterprise is going to this planet called XO3 to see if they can find out what happened to this guy, Dr. Roger Corby. Now, he's been missing for five years, and two other expeditions went before to see if they can find him, and no dice. Hmm. So Sidewig... Now, with a very reasonable, if highly 60s wig, <laughs> yes. looks wistful and nervous as they approach. She's sure he's alive. She gave up her career with him as an immunologist mm-hmm. to sign aboard a starship. I called it. You did? Yeah, that's right. It does not bode well for Kirk's decision making that he idolizes Corby, <laughs> whose books on immunizations were required reading when he did his training. Oh, what? He's definitely going to beam him up and let him run rampage on the ship. <laughs> <laughs> surprise surprise Ohura gets a message from the planet and it's Dr. Corby he's alive Ooh. so it goes into the theme tune I really like it, it the theme con- tune? yeah it conjures up an image of them all drifting through space in genie outfits though for me <laughs> not quite <laughs> the tone of the show no no it's true 
But it's okay because they can breathe and everything. It's not them flailing through space, running out of oxygen. It's a happy okay. image. Sure. I sure. noticed from the voiceover that it's five-year mission. So mm-hmm. I wonder how far into it they are by now and how they feel about that. The original series is sort of one of these things where you can kind of pick up any episode in any order. It doesn't really matter yeah. much. Yeah. I've noticed there's no real arcs going on. Nobody's learned anything from one episode <laughs> to another, have they? Not really, no. <laughs> I've never worked anywhere for five years. Have you? No, I've just been self-employed most Mm. of my time. Yeah. So no, I've never worked anywhere for five years. I read an article about work spouses in Business Matters, which said two thirds of workers surveyed have a work spouse. It means that they're married to the person that they work with? No, they um, say that their work colleague is their spouse. Like they're really good friends. It's one of those kind of cloying. Oh, that's my work wife. Oh, good for you. Why don't you rub it in everyone's face? <laughs> I didn't know that was the thing people had. Oh, did you? No. Oh, poor self-employed trinkle. <laughs> <laughs> well, I've never had one. That's why I'm so bitter about it. <laughs> Is Chad yours? Chad Pfeiffer, co-host of the HP Lovecraft Literary Podcast. Yeah. I would say, yeah. Uh, so Corby asks the captain to beam down alone. Oh, here we go. <laughs> saying that he's made some kind of discovery that is going to change all of mankind kirk says hey you know uh chapel's here and then he's like oh sweet bring her down too (laughs) the dresses are so short that we actually see uhura's bum in this episode yes her skirt i was like that that is too short these dresses are really bothering me now i can't take the character seriously or stay immersed in the story i just wish she had trousers on would it look less odd if they were wearing heels somehow it's like they've tried to make it look like a practical uniform with the flat boots but then they've forgotten the bottom part <laughs> anyway, I love all this Kirk out, Enterprise out stuff. Yeah. We haven't had that before, have we? Oh, you're asking me. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you meant rhetorically. I have no idea. I've been saying Kirk out since I was six years old. <laughs> uh, so Kirk and Chapel beam down. Does it even need mentioning at this point that they have no coats, no kit, nothing? <laughs> nothing. And it's like an ice planet, but they're indoors and there's a big window that shows like the, the cold outdoors. Yeah, so. Minus 100 degrees, they said. Yeah. So they hang out there for a while and no one comes to meet them. They get a little nervous about stuff. So mm. Kirk beams down to red shirt security guys. Well, at least he's got the shredder sense to do that. Yeah. Even if the guards look super inadequate <laughs> with the little space guns clipped to their belts. <laughs> Can they be beamed back up from any point? Or does it have to be from somewhere in particular? Like, does it have to be the point that they beamed in or some arbitrary place? Or can they just escape by being beamed out at any time? They can escape by being beamed out at any time. Usually they they never do. Well, (laughs) sometimes the rock formations will block transporters. Mm -hmm. Like if they get too deep within the rock, their scanners can't penetrate it. So they can't lock on to them. And I think that might be a factor with an episode like this. Uh, So Kirk tells one guy to stay at the beam site and the other one to come with them to look for Corby. Kirk saves Nurse Chapel from falling to her death. And then he takes a hand for the rest of the journey like a child. Mm. Gosh, imagine Halloween on the Enterprise. What would the sexy nurse outfit consist of (laughs) when we already can see her ass in her uniform? (laughs) A dude is lit from behind in silhouette. Then with a sense of the theatric and five years to plan it while he's waiting for a visitor, (laughs) he switches a light on to illuminate himself. Just because. Yeah. He also has a great outfit. This isn't Corby. This is Dr. Brown. 
And they talk for a bit, and one of the security guys screams. And as they run to check it out, they see that where Nurse Chapel slipped, the security guard seemingly slipped down. But a big, bald, heavily made-up alien dude creeps off, looking like a muscular Uncle Fester. This is fishy! <laughs> Get out! <laughs> and funny you should say Uncle Fester, because that same actor is the guy that played Lurch on the Adams Family TV show. Oh, yes, yes, yes. So Doc Brown blows off the fact that some guy just fell to his death and just says, hey, Corby's got this idea that is going to knock your socks off. He says they discovered some tech on the planet that was from the people that lived there before the sun went dark. Hmm. So if your sun's gone dark, is minus 100 degrees quite generous? Yeah, yeah, it is. There's what no it... photosynthesis now, is there? No. You can't just live underground, can you? Well, sure. I mean, if you could beam people around at a an atomic level and reconstruct them again, I'm sure they could figure out a, a way to make food out of anything, really. Hmm, I guess we do see some food later. They've got food. Spoiler alert. <laughs> but everyone in my cousin's office is screwed up by vitamin D deficiency just because they have tinted windows. <laughs> and you can't live underground. Right. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure you're correct. But maybe the light, the lighting system that they have in there, it has UV light. I, I don't know. I'm just throwing this yeah, out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe. So a woman shows up wearing the same outfit as Dr. Brown, but of course with no turtleneck underneath. Just cone boobs and shoulder straps. Yeah. She has a breathy voice and 60s styling. You said she was the first one that you, as adult Chris Lackey, had fancied. Yeah, Andrea is her name. Where was she on Mud's Women? Because she (laughs) is beautiful. Like I was a little taken aback because like she came on screen. I was like, oh, oh my. Hello. What? Who are you? You're not this weird 60s bad lighting girl. What? Yeah. Uh, what's happening here? So anyway, Kirk meets Corby, who seems to be really excited. Oh, yeah. So excited. He gets passion with Nurse Chapel immediately. <laughs> They totally make out. Totally make it's out. awesome. So Corby gets super sketchy and says that Kirk not communicate with the Enterprise. Oh, come on. Kirk basically says, no way. I got a dead guy and another guy at the landing site who's not communicating with me. Yeah. And he's dead for the for the record as well. Brown threatens Kirk with a laser pistol. There's a brief struggle. Then Kirk uses Andrea as a human shield and does a very silly drop and roll across the room. It's great. <laughs> he does. Brown is shot and we see he's an android. Dude, that combat roll that he does is... <laughs> so unnecessary. It's so unnecessary. <laughs> really enjoyed it. It took, <laughs> it took more time for him to roll yeah. and move behind the table than it would have just to move behind the table. I yeah. don't understand it. Then the bald, festery alien guy from before, who's wearing my granny's bedspread as a robe, <laughs> is apparently an android <laughs> called Ruck. Uh, to test the effectiveness of Cassidy's Ruck costume and makeup... The uh, producers thought it would be this joke here, this mm. hilarious little joke to have the guy dressed up mm-hmm. in his full garb to receive a dude who's a tailor that was coming to talk to Gene Roddenberry. <gasps> and so when the guy showed up, he got really uncomfortable and freaked out by this dude <laughs> and had trouble talking and stuff. And they're like, OK, yeah, this is scary. This is definitely scary. <laughs> so but Roddenberry ended up purchasing some pants from him. So <laughs> it all well, worked out. That's something. So Rook hoists Kirk up in some WWF move so he can't escape. This will make a great anecdote for Kirk and Chapel if they survive. <laughs> <laughs> Rook calls the Enterprise and does a spot on Shatner. It's even better than Kevin Pollock's. Yeah, it's great lip syncing. Corby warns Kirk not to tip Spock off. Rook, as Kirk, informs Spock that everything's fine. Kirk out. So... Corby Kirk, that Ruck is an android from the civilization that was there before, and he's been keeping this place running for thousands of years. Whoa. He's not sure. Even the robot doesn't remember it's been so long. It's like Wally. Oh, yeah, it is like Wally. Mm. 
So Corby says that with the help of Ruck, he has built Brown uh, with this awesome technology that they have here. Kirk asks what happened to the red shirts, and Corby says, well, uh, they're probably dead. But it was an accident. Ruck was oh. just trying to protect this place. He wasn't supposed to kill anyone. Not very reassuring. Not at all. Like some kind of uh, party trick, Corby has Ruck do uh, other voice impersonations. He does Groucho Marx, Jack Nicholson, <laughs> and then he does Nurse Chapel. but then Corby goes ballistic. He's like, that's not funny! And he orders Ruck to never mock or harm nurse chapel and the kirk says obey her orders and then corby goes yeah and and obey her orders and i'm like mm. why did he why did he go for that i wondered if this was to protect her from attack or assault by rook maybe kirk has learned something he might have some uh, scheme he seems pretty clever mm. in this episode kirk does not over the top clever just really on his game so kirk tries to make a break for it but of course ruck picks him up and he just totally throws him like yeah that's full-on Actor picking up a dude and throwing another actor, no like wires. That is that guy's really lifting him up and throwing him. Bam! Corby returns to the main dining room to join Chapel and Andrea having a chat. They've been talking purely about men, of course. We're not doing very well on your Bechdel test so far, are we? No, we are not. Kirk is held by Ruck as Chapel seems to be getting jealous of Andrea. And Corby says, Guess what? Andrea, she's a robot too. So don't sweat it, baby. She has physical sensation and obeys orders. Such objectification. Really, yeah. The writers are aware of this, I guess, because he calls her a mechanical geisha. To somehow prove his point, he has Andrea kiss Kirk and then slap him. Hmm. Notice that he avoids also saying that he has never had sex with her. She goes, <laughs> you've had feelings for her. And Corby just goes, she's an android. Yeah, she means nothing to me, baby. <laughs> How many people do you think have watched that kiss slap on repeat while pleasuring themselves? <laughs> Oh, God. <laughs> Lots. So Kirk, he calls shenanigans. He says, if you control these guys, why did Brown not listen to you and try to kill us? And then why did Ruck kill the two other red shirt guys? Corby says he's going to show him what he's been keeping secret for so long. It makes no sense at this it point. Doesn't. So in the lab, Ruck locks a body-shaped lump of something onto a roundabout. Andrea turns it to reveal Kirk locked down on it naked. Mm-hmm. He has a metal restraint covering his crotch. What the heck is going on? <laughs> <laughs> two Kirks again. <laughs> Yay. Enemy Within was two episodes ago. Two. <laughs> Come on, guys. <laughs> As the roundabout spins, Chapel looks disapproving. It spins faster and faster until blam, they've made an android Kirk. Was that all there was to it? Yeah. Let's try it. Wouldn't you just vom? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're going really fast. I don't yeah. understand why he doesn't get sick. So Corby says now they can transfer the memories of Kirk into a machine. This kind of blew me away because mm. this is like transhumanism stuff here. Mm. As Corby starts fiddling with his machines, Kirk starts mumbling to himself, mind your own business, Mr. Spock. I'm sick of your half-breed interference. Do you hear me? And he repeats this over and over as the memory transfer happens. So I presume there Kirk's trying to give a secret message to Spock to tip him off. Yeah, yeah. Then Kirk joins Chapel for lunch, which is oversized kibble. And everyone's quite cheerful. (laughs) And he asks her if she would obey if he gave her an order to betray Corby. Chapel says, push me off a precipice before asking me to betray him. Oh, come on. He's not well, is he? You've got to let go of this loyalty. She encourages Kirk to eat. But he says, androids don't eat, Miss Chapel. She's been lunching with Android Kirk all along. Surprise. 
<laughs> so Corby, Ruck, and the real Kirk wearing a jumpsuit like Corby's come rolling in. Kirk's quite amused at meeting a Kirk clone again <laughs> and manages to feel superior even to an immortal version of himself. <laughs> there has to be so much slash fiction on this. Yeah, most of it written by Shatner. <laughs> <laughs> Corby sends Robokirk up to the ship to get the ship's itinerary for him. He wants to know where the Enterprise is going so that he can set up a secret android colony. Hmm. Corby's plan is to do a full robo-transfer with everyone. What you saw was only a machine. Only half of what I could have accomplished. Do you understand? By continuing the process, I could have transferred you, your very consciousness, into that android. Your soul, if you wish. All of you. In android form, a human being can have practical immortality. Can you understand what I'm offering mankind? Programming. Different word. But the same old promises made by Genghis Khan, Julius Caesar, Hitler, Ferris, Maltuvis. Can you understand that a human converted to an android can be programmed for the better? Can you imagine how life could be improved if we could do away with jealousy, greed, hate? It can also be improved by eliminating love, tenderness, sentiment. The other side of the coin, Doctor. No one need ever die again. No disease, no deformities, or even fear can be programmed away, replaced with joy. I'm offering you a practical heaven, a new paradise, and all I need is your help. Again, this reminds me of the two Kirks episode. His personality was split along similar lines, and both were destructive. Yeah, that, that you do have a point there. It, this whole thing, though, is really blowing me away because this is total transhumanism stuff. The mm. idea where you can make a, a digital version of yourself and that you can transfer your, your essence or your mind or who you are, your memories, into a new body, and that body's immortal. You can move on, but also the idea that you can reprogram yourself. Mm. So once your mind becomes digital, you can get rid of unwanted memories or bad feelings or whatever those things are and, and have control of yourself. And this is from the 1960s. Yeah. So that's pretty amazing. I didn't realize that these ideas were, were in Star Trek. But there's a sinister edge to it because they're not doing this by choice, are they? No. It's almost like therapy in the sense that you could manage particular memories or feelings, but somebody else is deciding that this should happen to them. Yeah, that's that's wrong. Corby has made a mistake. He thinks everybody's going to be better off if they're robots, but mm. you got to give people that choice. Yeah. And Kirk obviously agrees with me because he's like, no way, man, this is, this is effed up. So then... Kirk sneakily pulls a bit of string from his chair with lots of cutaway shots of that happening <laughs> <laughs> and tries to escape by choking Corby. Rook acts as if Kirk's holding a machete rather than a piece of chair <laughs> twine and doesn't intervene. Rook chases Kirk, though. Chapel yells, I order you not to harm him. Kirk attacks Rook with a broken off stalactite, which looks so phallic. Not even kind of, but totally. Sh it looks like a giant foam penis. Surely intentional. Had to be. Kirk falls and hangs by his fingertips from the edge of a cliff. You think Rook's going to kill him, but he actually saves his life. Mm. Chapel's command worked. So back on the Enterprise, Robo Kirk shows up to get the itinerary and Spock is trying to figure out 
why he just showed up, didn't tell anybody anything, and why he's leaving again. <laughs> to which he says, mind your own business, Mr. Spock. I'm sick of your half-breed interference. Do you hear? That is a pretty intense safe word, password <laughs> that they've agreed on. <laughs> Spock gets it right away, though, and forms a security team to beam down. Back on the planet, Kirk's hanging out with Andrea, and he asks her to kiss him. Why? Come on. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> She then tries to slap him like before, but this time he grabs her by the hand and then he full on makes out with her. Yeah, there are finger shaped marks on her arm when he pulls away. Oh, what was it with those old fashioned screen kisses slash assaults? Yeah, smashing of faces together yeah, sort of pull thing. Pull the woman right up to their chest. Yeah. Did real people used to do that? I don't think so. I don't know. I wasn't around then. <laughs> well, this confuses Andrea since she was not programmed to respond to him. But deep down, she enjoyed it. Ugh, male fantasy that is so virile, he can make her go against her instinct. <laughs> well, they know their demographic. What do you mean? Uh, well, you know, young men that have these types of fantasies. It's like, wow, with passion, I could reprogram a hot robot woman. Okay. You know. Is that the demographic? Males, of course. Pubescent teen males. Yeah, for sure, for sure. You are not getting much action. <laughs> originally but you know there's there's themes it's everyone to now yeah exactly so kirk then has a powwow with ruck and asks him about the old ones and ruck lays down that they built the machines too well and the machines overcame their programming and rebelled tale as old as time <laughs> so kirk points out that corby is doing the same thing that the old ones did and ruck is like oh yeah i should kill him oh but before he can corby phasers him into nothingness where does his matter go you know, that is a good question. If you disintegrate somebody, I mean, we're mostly water, so that where does that go? Yeah. That would at least turn into steam or, or something. Yeah, they and say the vaporize, don't they? But does that mean everyone's breathing bits of him in? <laughs> and he settles down on the ornaments. <laughs> yeah, no idea. Mm. Then Andrea finds Android Kirk and tries to kiss him, but he refuses it as illogical. So Andrea vaporizes him with a phaser. Yikes! <laughs> Do not stop a woman from kissing Shatner. Do not. <laughs> she will phase you. Whoa. So Kirk and Corby, they have a fight and the skin on Corby's hand gets pulled off. And guess what? He's an android. Yeah. Did you see that coming? I think I was scrambling so much to keep up with this episode. I didn't have time to think of oh. what exactly was going on with him. Wait, scrambling to keep up with it in a good way? or yeah, yeah, yeah. So he's an android and Chapel is gutted. Of course. Corby explains that in the original accident, his legs were ripped off and he was just a total mess. He was barely alive. And he got on that little spinny table-y thing and made a robot duplicate of himself. And he transferred all of himself into the android body. And he claims, I'm Roger Corby. <laughs> oh, right, Even yeah. this was the same as the Evil Kirk episode. So Corby's utopian vision has turned out to be rubbish with everyone vaporizing each other. So Corby hands over his <laughs> phaser in defeat. <laughs> Andrea won't give her phaser up, and she confusedly tries to profess her love for Corby. As she moves to kiss him, Corby pulls the trigger on her phaser and vaporizes both of them. Hmm. Uh, Spock and his security team finally show up and ask about Corby's whereabouts, and Kirk says, Dr. Corby was never here. What's the point in them showing up now? <laughs> that whole racist safe word thing and fake Kirk visiting the Enterprise. Why? Uh, yeah, from a story standpoint, like a story structure, it never really pays off that, that whole <laughs> yeah. thing. It would have made sense if like maybe 
Spot comes in and like takes care of Ruck or or yeah. Andrea or something happens, but they they're totally ineffectual because after that point in the story, Kirk couldn't just went up and used his communicator and said, "Beam me up." But yeah, they just show up after it's all over. Well, we've got this interaction that finishes up the episode. Thank you for letting me make the decision, Captain. I'm quite certain I'm doing the right thing. She's staying with the ship. Something bothering you, Mrs. Spock? Frankly, I was rather dismayed by your use of the term half-breed, Captain. You must admit, it is an unsophisticated expression. I'll remember that, Mr. Spock. The next time I find myself in a similar situation. So Chapel decides to stay on the Enterprise. But what would her other option have been? Yeah, I that was weird, hey. too. What is she going to just go down to that alien planet and... Just live there on live her own? There? What? I don't... That, Make a bunch of duplicates of herself? I don't know. I don't know what that was about. They are so odd and unnatural, these little reunion dialogues that uh, Kirk and Spock have at the end of each episode. Yeah. You're very passionate about the racism towards Spock. What did you think? Gosh, I, I don't know. Because this is pretty consistent. Them having to point out Spock is different. Mm. Like, it comes up all the time. Maybe the point of this was that they get along so well that it's okay to make racial jokes with one another? Mm. I don't know. I'm just trying to understand this here because Vulcans in the setting are stronger and smarter and live longer than humans. So maybe it's an issue of like punching up? Still not acceptable behavior in the workplace, is it? No, of course not. Or (laughs) anywhere. (laughs) Anywhere. But I remember this is the 1960s and so it's the 1960s mindset and I I don't, I really don't know. Something to think on. Maybe we'll get some insight further on. So this was the first one that midway through I decided I needed to watch a second time. That was enjoyment, but also confusion, I think. Oh. Why did I like this one? It was so silly. Well, it was kind of neat. There's some neat, there was some neat things going on, even though structurally it was a little strange. This episode was written by Robert Block, who was the author that wrote Psycho, Mm. the novel. And he wrote a lot of great Lovecraftian fiction. He was a... protege of hp lovecraft as you know i host the hp lovecraft literary podcast at hppodcraft.com yes and we've covered many robert block stories so it's interesting covering a a television script that he wrote Mm. i read that the script was in such bad shape that roddenberry had to rewrite parts of it as they were filming and they went two days over as a result (laughs) (laughs) probably the case you know robert block was writing screenplays and and writing prose mm-hmm. are, are two very different things so yeah it had some proper imaginative sci-fi stuff compared yeah. to the last episode certainly for sure i would say that this as sci-fi goes is definitely if i'm giving it a rank on concepts i would say it was like a nine mm. i don't think it gets much better than the things that they talk about on this episode there are a lot of bum notes and a weak use of the women in the episode yeah. But lots of silly rolling around and trying to escape and <laughs> contraptions, ridiculous yeah. risk taking, yeah. giant guy in a bedspread. I enjoy all of that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And Andrea, she was really, mm-hmm. she was really good too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I liked her. <laughs> she was really good. She too. was really good. She did good stuff. That costume fit her perfectly. Wow. For the androids, what an awful combination of immortality and being programmed to meet someone else's requirements. 
your own consciousness, but trapped forever serving others. Yeah. No, thank you. No, of course not. I mean, it's, but this is something that, I mean, eventually we'll probably have to deal with is like the ethics of, of robots and are robots really conscious? Do they, are they just machines that function and do a task? Are they self-aware? Mm. And if they are self-aware, do they get rights? Mm-hmm. It's easy to humanize them, like that one where it gets pushed over and oh, falls right. down. It made me so sad. Yeah. <laughs> yes. So mean. It's, yeah, those ideas are being touched upon in, in this particular episode. There's a lot. There's a lot going on here. Mm. You're very keen on being immortal. What kind of deal would you accept? Uh, me? I would have to be me. I would. I would be okay with the mind transfer, but not the fiddling around with my brain after the fact mm. that's not good how could you be sure well you can't be sure mm. well how can you be sure about anything really mm. you might go to sleep and then wake up totally different person <laughs> have a brain aneurysm <laughs> all right you know something anything could happen or maybe you fall down or a, a railroad spike goes through your head and changes your personality Woof. <laughs> <laughs> so have you got your ratings Okay, uh, my ratings are concepts, I would say nine, awesome. Sexiness, eight, eight, <laughs> oh, I guess. Eight. Just for her. She's, man, she had something special going on about her. I don't know what it was. And entertainment value, mm, seven. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. pretty entertaining. Considering most of the main characters weren't in it, that you enjoy. Right, McCoy, yeah. Takeo. Whatever he's called, Sulu. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, no Sulu. Spock's in there very little, and yes, and uh, gosh, Spock's in there so little, and I you know. still enjoyed it that much. Yeah, it's a good episode. So, what ratings do you give it? Um, I think I'll go seven for concepts because even though mm -hmm. I found it really stimulating, a lot of it was a rip off of The Enemy Within. Yeah, that's a that's a good point. Mm. And I'll go five for sexiness because it was neither here nor there, I suppose. Five? You had two naked Kirks <laughs> spinning around on a table. I mean, how much more sexy does it get than that? Mm, that is my ultimate fantasy. <laughs> <laughs> and I guess I'll go eight for entertainment because it kind of reminded me of the first pilot we saw on the alien planet the whole time. Oh, yeah. Zany costumed. Yeah makeup to people and lots of rolling around <laughs> that was always a winner for me i'm rolling around so the next episode in star trek is called miri m-i-r-i -I. Mm, that doesn't give us much to go on i don't remember this episode at all oh good like i looked and i saw a photograph from it and i'm like i don't I don't know this one. So this is going to be a surprise for me as well. But this episode has been a delight to watch with you. Rachel, thank you so much for indulging me and in, in watching Star Trek with me. <laughs> thank you. And this has been Rachel Watches Star Trek. Rachel out. <laughs> <laughs>